From lifestyle, fitness, beauty, travel, relationships, and self-care, Steph's got you covered. Welcome to your safe space, where you can stop what you're doing, relax, and let someone else do the heavy lifting for once. This is the Luxury Dropout Podcast with your host, Stephanie Joplin. What's up, fellow dropouts? Welcome back to the Luxury Dropout with me, Stephanie Joplin. Today, we've got a very special guest. Her name is Nicola Burbank. She and I went to UNLV together. We were in the Greek system together. So I've known her a very long time. And recently we came back into each other's lives because she is a, what I call intuitive nutritionist. She's the one who taught me this term. And we go into that in this episode today. She has a degree in psychology. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner. So she works with people of all walks of life with all kinds of health issues, health allergies, food allergies, eating disorders. We go into all of those details. She talks about macronutrients, what's important, what's not, what's sustainable, and what's not with regards to diets like keto, paleo, carb cycling, things like that. Those are all buzzwords that you guys are very familiar with. She also talks about her personal life and what has kept her going what has kept her going through all of the stress. And she's also talked about those things in her life that really have challenged her to be motivated, to keep eating clean, to keep her routine of fitness and wellness and mental health. I really hope you resonate with this episode. It is a very important episode to me and to her as well. I hope that you enjoy this healthy, happy journey with Nicola Burbank. All right, fellow dropouts, welcome back to The Luxury Dropout with me, Stephanie Joplin. Today, I've got a very special guest and longtime friend, my friend, Nicola Burbank. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited to have you. And let's just make sure we understand her name is Nicola, not Nicole. Okay. Yes. Just spell Nicole. I really want to confuse the world on that. I know you, I understand, but I, it's like my pet peeve because you know, we're both Italian, so we've got to stick together. They're <laughs> important sticking points for me. Okay. <laughs> and people ask me all the time. They're like, so it's spelled Nicole, but then you say Nicola and I'm like, call me what you want, but it's yeah. Nicole. Yeah, exactly. Which I absolutely love that name. And ever since we met, I was like, <gasps> it's Nicola. She's Italian. I must be friends with her. <laughs> So just to tell a little bit of background to the viewer audio ship, whatever you want to call it, Nicole and I actually met at UNLV in college. We were in the Greek life, Greek system together, which seems like a freaking lifetime ago. Oh my God. Like, what were we even doing? How are we alive? I honestly don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to ask you, so, you know, being obviously like, you know, in nutrition and you know, just at that time when we were in college and literally eating Del Taco and in and out at all times, did you ever like, did it start kind of rising up in you then? Or was it way later that you kind of made the discovery that you shouldn't be eating that stuff (laughs) on an everyday basis? Right. I think I always say I was such a mess that I just thought feeling like crap was normal. I don't think I put two and two together till later on in life. And it was like forced upon me when I had Willow. So, and I'm sure we'll get into that, but I don't think so in college. I was, I mean, it was fun, but I was not my right mindset to think that way yet. No. I mean, obviously, you know, like 
just logically that you shouldn't eat fast food. Like, you know that logically, but I agree. I remember going to class at like, I had a seven 30 lab and I just remember doing like the walk of shame down Maryland Parkway and like a titty top and like, <laughs> I've done that one too many times leaving the Sigma Chi house or like, yeah. yes, yeah, exactly. And so like walking into class with my sunglasses on and everyone's like, are you alive? True. You know, what's so funny. So there's this true story about me. I literally like, I think it was like blackout, like the night before at the Sigma Chi house. And it was right when we were doing midterms or something. And I went to the wrong class, took the wrong test. It was an instructor I had. That's why I didn't pick up on it. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. There's my instructor. I was like, God, how do I not know like a thing on this test? The next day he pulls me into his office and he's like, why did you take this test? And I was like, so confused. I was so embarrassed. I had to beg my other professor to let me take the test. Did you tell your other professor that you had taken a different test? Yes. And I was like, I got a C. So I feel like you just, I mean, that's pretty dang good that I got a C on a test that I had no idea what I was doing. Really good. C minus probably, but hey. I passed. That was probably my lowest. <laughs> That's pretty low, but I'm honestly, I'm impressed. I have to say pretty impressed by that. That's pretty great. So after college, you know, you and I kind of like lost touch for a little bit. Tell me what went on in between there. You know, I know you had Willow and you got married and all of those things, all those wonderful life things that happen. Tell me a little bit about how your life changed when you had Willow. All right. So yes, after college, I moved to Arizona. I was working in Arizona, met my husband, and then we got married and got pregnant and had Willow. And I had had like from, I think at 25, it really hit me that I had digestive issues. And at 25 to 30, in the between that time, I was just going through a relationship, getting married, and then we had Willow at 30. And when I had her, I just didn't bounce back. I had a really rough pregnancy at the end. I had a great pregnancy most of the time, but then at the end, it was really, really rough. We had induced labor that turned into an emergency C-section and I just did not bounce back. I felt worse than I was already feeling. And like the symptoms were just noticeable, digestively, like embarrassing, noticeable that I knew something was not right. And so I started going to doctor to doctor to try to figure out what was going on. And everyone just kind of kept saying, your labs are coming back normal. You're fine. All is well. And I just couldn't agree with them. I was like, something is wrong. Like, I feel like if this is normal, like I'm scared, like this is not like healthy. I couldn't get out of bed. I was almost depressed. And there we'll probably talk about some things that led to this later on as well. But I was just not feeling good. And I kind of jumped around jobs. I was in student services for colleges. So I did mainly like their educational, like teaching and counseling for the kids. And so I ended up at ASU. I was miserable. I hated it. I felt sick all the time. And so I decided to spend the time with Willow and work part-time. And by the grace of God, you know, we both believe in spirituality and that the universe sends us things when we're meant to be sent them. And by the grace of God, I met Dr. Kavari. He owns Trimodus and I started working for him right away. He's like, you have food allergies. And I'm like, nah, never, ever. I don't. What do you mean? I'm fine. Yeah. He's like, you always have a stuffy nose. You always complain about a sore throat. You always complain about bloating. Let me just like 
get you tested and let's go down this path. And so he opened up Pandora's box, which then lit this spark in my eyes. Cause I've always been that science minded before I graduated with a degree in psychology, I was actually pre-med. So I love science. Science is my jam, but I started diving into my own health and looking at it from a very functional medicine, holistic side. And it led me into the world of nutrition and understanding how much food played a part in really how we feel overall, how our skin looks, how our body looks, everything, right? Then from there, I was like, phew, you know, and that led me to here. Well, that's why I've always loved talking to you about nutrition because you don't come at it from the normal perspective. Like normally it's like, I want to lose weight. I want to look a certain way. I want to look like Kim Kardashian, whatever it is. I want to be a meathead and go to the gym every day. Like you don't come at, at it like that. And you taught me the term intuitive eating, which is something that I use all the time. And I sound like so smart now when I say it, because it makes fucking sense. Like it makes sense to eat intuitively for your body. Meaning if you put something in your body and you feel like shit, don't fucking eat it. (laughs) Right. I mean, if it makes your body feel good, it makes you feel good, then eat more of it. And that makes so much sense to me, even though we still sometimes do put the stuff in our body that makes still makes us feel like crap. Like I had a handful of jelly beans for breakfast. Perfect. Right. And now I'm going to crash, but I, I had like a protein shake with it. I'm like, this will balance it out. It's fine. No big deal. I'm not saying I'm perfect, but that was really cool. When you and I worked together, you know, I told you, I was like, I really messed up. You're like, you didn't mess up. You didn't mess up at all. This is life. And I like that you talk about a sustainable way of life, not a diet, not a, you know, not just a fad. It's a lifestyle. And I want to talk to you so, so badly about this keto fad and like no carbs and this myth that if you have pasta, you will forever be fat. If you have one grain of rice, you're going to puff up like a balloon, which used to happen to me, but that's because I was not eating them correctly. So can we go into, before we get into all of your other amazing things, can we go into a little bit talking about macros and, you know, macros based diets and not necessarily having to measure everything out all the time, but just that balance that you found. Absolutely. And you brought up a really good point when you were talking about intuitive eating, the idea behind intuitive eating is that we have been in society pushed to more of restrictive dieting. And this is keto, paleo, like all these very restrictive, very detailed types of diets. And then we see people yo-yo throughout their life. Maybe they could try keto, then they moved to paleo. Now they're doing carb cycling and the weight goes up and down. And so the idea behind intuitive eating is nothing's off the table. Like you do what makes you feel good. And I mean, I work with some eating disorder clients and we'll, when we're talking about binge eating, I'm like, you just have to be in that very parasympathetic state and allow your body. Like if your body wants that, then sit down in a calm state and enjoy every freaking bite of that ice cream and think how good it tastes. That is a positive way to think about something as opposed to very negative, which is like, oh my God, I'm eating all this ice cream. I'm such a bad person. I'm a horrible person. Now we change the mindset. You're less likely to not do something when we're not restricted. Like if I told you, you can't have gluten. All you want is gluten. So if I say you can have gluten, this is what it probably does to your digestive tract because maybe you're sensitive to gluten or whatever the case may be when I'm talking to the client, but now the choice is theirs. And so something happens magically when that, when you allow somebody kind of their own choice 
to then make, and then they're less likely to want it. It's like almost like a little reverse psychology in a way. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, but that's kind of my approach with all my clients is nothing's off the table. I do talk to people about bio-individuals. So my approach is very cellular based on the individual's data, lifestyle, uh, maybe their ancestry or their hereditary disease, all those things. I can get as detailed as looking at people's nutrigenomics. So their DNA, right? And how their DNA genetically looks. And so some people are going to do better with more fats than carbs and others do better with more carbs than fats, but need all three macronutrients to work efficiently. So the three macronutrients are? Yes, they're carbs, fats, and proteins. So This is kind of how I explain it to clients. We have these three macronutrients, carbs, fats, and proteins. Carbs are preferred energy source in the sense that really that's their only role is to give you energy. And the reason why I say they're important or I explain it to clients not to be fearful of them is because we kind of need them to be our little energizer bunny so that fat and protein can do their work at the cellular level. Because we know protein is a building block at the cellular level. And then fat, I call it the manager on staff. He kind of communicates, you know, cells release this or carbohydrates do this or protein do that. And so you have these three things needed to be ingested at the same time for all of this to occur synergistically. So yes, portion amounts, carbs to fats will be different, but you still need them, both of them. Right. I'm just picturing fat with like a little hard hat. That's his I boss. Do. I do too every time. <laughs> Why are we like this? <laughs> Literally, that's the image in my head. <laughs> yeah, but just, I hate this, you know, and I've seen women, my friends do keto and lose a shit ton of weight, right? But is it sustainable for life? Is that, okay. And is it creating, oh, it could be, but yes, sorry. To answer your question, yes, potentially keto could be sustainable. I do think it leads to insulin sensitivity and some other things, but the problem is, let's be honest, we're not living like cavemen. We live in a modern world where there's pizza on every corner and sugary drinks. And the fact that you're going to tell me you're going to be keto, strict keto for the rest of your life, it's a hard way to live. social life. Like we couldn't go out and have sushi. We couldn't go out and do stuff. And my philosophy is let's live the best life. And then I consider our bodies a vessel. Let's treat our vessel the best way. So let's find a balance. We don't need to be so restrictive. I think that's negative. You couldn't even go get a smoothie if you were on keto. No, not if you're on true keto, which is a whole nother topic, right? There's too much. I know. I know. Well, I just want to know, is it so people ask me, they're like, is keto sustainable? I say no. You're saying technically, yes. It could survive on a ketogenic diet. Yes. I think that ultimately it would have to be a very strict, correct keto diet. I would say no due to modern life, but yeah, technically, scientifically, you scientifically, you could survive. Would you be happy? No, probably not. And then if you slipped up, you really screw yourself. So I have a lot of keto, ex-keto clients that are now insulin sensitive, meaning we can't just throw carbs back into their diet because they've restricted it so much in the past. Okay. That makes sense. So with your eating disorder client, this fascinates me with your eating disorder clients, because, you know, I was a binge eater or I sometimes I haven't in a long time since you and I worked together, thankfully, but I was a binge eater where I would, and it was like 
really in the middle of the night, like past 12 o'clock, I was still up. I had all these ideas running through my head. And then I would just kind of like pick through my whole pantry, pick through my whole fridge. And just then I would have like three meals. And I was like, what just happened? How do you, you know, and I, I won't talk from personal experience. I want you to explain it. How do you direct your clients that do that away from habits like that? Absolutely. So first and foremost, obviously they're under the care of a psychologist or psychiatrist and they're working on their issues emotionally with that. The food component of it is, and you might relate to this, I definitely did, was we tend, when we have an eating disorder, we tend to not eat in the mornings and kind of like save all our calories because we know we're going to then binge at night. And it's this pull and tug, tug of war that we have all day and week and years long, right? So what I generally do is I position a very nutrient dense, very strategic breakfast that they have to eat that keeps them very well satiated because it really is. I never agreed with breakfast is the most important meal of the day, but I truly have changed my mind on that. It truly is. I don't like the way which America thinks it should be, but But I do think it's important because if we satiate and we start off great, we're going to make better choices. For example, if I start off with the bowl of cereal, which is all refined carbohydrates, I spike my blood sugar, I'm hangry, I eat again. I'm then gravitating towards a sugary thing because my body wants sugar to raise my blood sugar. And so we have this cascade effect happen throughout the day. But if I would have had that nutrient dense smoothie or breakfast or whatever it might be, then I'm less likely to do that and very much less likely to have a bit. And so I usually start there. I do dabble a little bit into lifestyle and breath work and those types of things because binging and eating disorders is very sympathetic. We're in a fight or flight. So realistically, that's very irrational, not logical. So I need to bring them down to a parasympathetic state that brings them to a conscious, logical state. And then generally they can kind of snap out of it. So they might start a binge and then they have to go do an exercise of breath work. And then they're allowed that, you know, as much as they want in that food that they're binging on but they're less likely to eat as much. Okay. That's interesting. So what about the opposite end of the spectrum? Like with anorexia? Yeah. I don't deal with a ton of anorexic clients. I deal with people that just generally want to gain weight. Anorexia is like a very, very hard because it's a food avoidance, food fear almost. And that's a lot of mental stuff. It is a lot of mental. So I would, I mean, the only thing nutritionally, because it would be tad bit out of my scope of practice would just be to try to have healthy relationships with food. So working with them on like understanding that a cookie isn't going to make us gain a pound and that kind of stuff. But that's a hard one. That would probably be better for a psychologist or psychiatrist to work one-on-one with. Yeah, it makes sense. Because for me, I think binging, it has some psychological in it, but for me, it's it's almost like, how do I want to say? It's like a knee jerk, like a reflex or it's something. An emotional reaction to something you're missing in life. So for me, I realized my fear of abandonment was why I binged. I wasn't emotionally, I was loved as a kid, but I wasn't emotionally given that touch, feel, love often enough as a kid that I used food as my emotional comfort, I guess. 
So generally we have to pinpoint what that emotion is that makes them want to binge. And then from there we work backwards. Like, why did you feel that way? So like, for me, I realized anytime somebody made me feel abandoned, I would eat. So then I had to think, why am I so worried about being abandoned? And then it went back and back and back into my childhood. And then I determined, oh, okay, well, I wasn't emotionally given the things I needed to be able to feel safe. Right. Right. This unhealthy habit with food. So are you hyper aware with Willow about these things? Okay. I figured you would be such a fine line with kids. And this is what I see so much, which I mean, parents want, you know, their kids to eat the right foods and things like that, but don't get me wrong. Willow eats donuts and processed foods. And I do not restrict. I am very like, you can have as much as you want type of parent. Like I really want her to make her own choices because I remember, and it's not my mom's fault or even her mom's fault, but you know, Oh, I gained weight. I look fat. Or you eat too much pasta, Nicole, you're going to gain weight or blah, 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 you know? And I don't want that for her. So I really try to never talk about my weight too much. It sucks because I do a lot of anecdotal data. So I'll be weighing myself quite frequently and I'll change my calorie intake just for data for me to know how to better treat clients. But I really try my best not to say too much of that stuff in front of her. So what about in terms of, I know you let her eat what she wants to eat. I remember when you had your yes day and the first thing she wanted was a sucker. I was like... I know. I'm like, do you know who your mother is? I'm just wondering. <laughs> she is. She's a riot. <laughs> I love her. She's amazing. But do you ever try to educate her at all yet? Okay. Yeah. So it's really important for kids to know why. So like, if you think about a kid, they really, as they grow, they need safety and they need to understand the plan. They have to kind of understand, like the first thing a kid will ask you is what are we doing today? It's not because they're excited. They literally need to understand what is going to happen in their world so that they can take that in and then they get excited, right? So same thing with food is we want to make sure that we're explaining why certain foods are good and why certain foods are bad, but not in a negative form. So I wouldn't say like, oh, you can't have mac and cheese because it's overly processed is going to make you fat. I would just say, you know, mac and cheese is not as nutrient dense as a broccoli or a chicken or a berry. So we have it in moderation, just like we have berries and chicken and broccoli in moderation. So it's a little bit more positive and a why behind it. And then we'll talk about like the minerals or micronutrients within foods or like what protein does. And I try to get a little bit sciencey without being too crazy. Okay. So like, say when you add the egg into her mac and cheese to add the protein, do you tell her about that? Yeah, she does know about it. She definitely does know about it. There are things that I add in, like in her smoothie, I don't tell her that there's super greens in there. Of course. Yeah. She doesn't care to know. She doesn't care. Yeah. But yes, I will. She tastes a lot of the recipes I create. I have her taste. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Because I want to know if she doesn't like it, then, you know, most people won't like So she's pretty open to trying new things, but she also is just a kid and wants, you know, Cheerios and donuts. I get it. I totally get it. Did you explain to her why you put the egg in the pasta? Does she understand that? Okay, cool. So that's positive. Yeah. Any teachable, like, I think it's always important to teach kids everything and anything. Like if you're just walking down the street and they point out a homeless person, that's a teachable moment in my opinion. So we'll, if we're walking down, like we were in Boston, it was raining and there was a homeless man there. And she goes, what's going on with him? I was like, well, honey, he's homeless. She goes, what does that mean? So I explained it to her. She goes, wow. I go, how does that make you feel? She goes, I feel sad for him. He's wet. I go, should we ask him if he would like our umbrella? And she said, I think that's a good idea. And so we asked him 
And he said, no, you know, he didn't want, it, which was fine. He had a little poncho, so he was good, but she got to see that. And that was such a teachable moment. Whereas the choice I could have made was, oh, it's just a homeless person. Of course. Yeah. Don't look at him. Don't worry about it. Right. So I think that's the best way to do it with kids is just make it teachable. Don't make it about restricting or a negative, just a moment of teaching. And if they're like, I don't want the broccoli, then we talk about it. You know, sometimes what I'll do is if she doesn't finish her plate of food and then she like an hour later, she's like, I'm still hungry. I always set that plate of food aside. And then when she says I'm hungry, I say, okay, here's your plate. And she'll be like, well, I want something else. I'm like, well, if you're hungry, this is what we have. This is what you can eat. I think that's a better way than the way we were maybe raised, which was you better eat everything off your plate. That's very forceful and very negative. Yes, totally agree. You basically made a little empath is what you did. She's such an empath. I mean, she can hear people crying in a store and she like picks up on it. I'm like, she's uber sensitive. She's the kindest, sweetest soul that I'm like, just want to like keep in a bubble. How old is she? Six. Oh my gosh. She's so smart for her age. She's just so, she just gets it. I mean, she's your mini. That's why she just, she exactly like you. That's wild. So I want to talk about your happy, healthy journey. First of all, let me say, I am so proud of you. Your content is clean. It's beautiful. It's well-presented. It's basic enough where people can understand, but also very, very educational. Tell me what was the inspiration? Because you already have a job, right? You already have this job that takes a lot of your time. So what inspired you to create your happy, healthy journey in your brand? Yeah. So I would say two years ago, I kind of had almost like an awakening, like a very like come to Jesus, like you're not happy with your life and you're in a place that is going to hurt you. You know, you're going to get sick. And so through that process, I kind of rediscovered me. I feel like, I don't know if you feel this way, but I didn't really know who I was as a woman or as a person until like 34, 35. Maybe I'm a bloomer. I don't know, but I'm definitely a lay bloomer. I'm right there with you. Yeah. So I started realizing like, I was all these things that weren't me, you know? And so I started peeling back the layers of that and really came to realize I'm super unhappy and I'm not in a place where I want to be. And I have all this success and I had, you know, the perfect marriage and all these things, but I still wasn't feeling fulfilled. So in finding that, I also just realized how much nutrition was my calling and my purpose. I truly feel that is why I'm here on this earth is to educate and to really impact a very large amount of people through my words. And so I started really looking into that. And I went back to school, got my certification in nutritional therapy practitioner, and then started your healthy, happy journey. Cause I was like, I want to inspire other women to literally not just through food because food is important, but really just mental health is so, so important. Much like what you're doing on your platform, which is freaking amazing. It's that same thing as like, we have to realize as women that we have much more to give than just that submissive role. And we can be that, we can be very feminine, but we also have this amazing voice and this amazing potential. And so I wanted to advocate for that for women. And so I said, well, what the, hey, I might as well just try to like do this Instagram and like social media world. And I know I've asked you a bazillion questions and you have been so sweet and generous to help me understand it. And like just watching you has helped me so much. 
but yeah, so I did it and I absolutely love every second of it. I want to create more and more and more and do more things. So you're helping so many people and you've helped me so incredibly. My relationship with food has completely changed and I was able to help my sister, you know, who was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I know we spoke about it, but my sister's a pretty healthy person. She's not a sugar monster or anything. I know it happens sometimes with pregnancy. And I was able to help guide her. And at first she was like, no, the doctor just said, don't eat carbs. And I'm like, that doctor's an idiot. So what you need to do is if you want. Yeah. And so it actually happened to her where she had a plate of pasta for dinner and she crashed. Like she felt terrible. And I was like, because your blood sugar went like this and you had nothing to balance it out. And so then she listened to me and she actually went to a different doctor and they told her basically what you and I always discuss about the macronutrients. And she's like, you know what? You're right. I'm like, who is this? Can I talk to my sister, please? I I don't know who you are. So, (laughs) but it helped me help her. And so, you know, your message is spreading you know, and I'm sure, you know, maybe she will have a friend with gestational diabetes and she'll impart that knowledge. So your message is reaching women upon women upon women. I mean, it's really cool to see your message spread like that. And I have friends that talk to me all the time that are like, oh yeah, like your friend. Yeah. I follow her and you know, really it's helped me so much. I love her recipes. Oh, your pickle chip recipe (gasps) is so good. It's so good. Oh my God. I loved it. I actually, so my dip, I made it with it's like low fat sour cream. And I put some like ranch, like packet in it. And it was really good. They look delicious. I was like, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. And like the barbecue pork rinds actually worked out. It was fine. That's all they had. I was like, oh, that might actually work even better. Yeah. It was totally fine. But I love how you make it, you know, you're like, stop what you're doing. Cause that's important when you're just like, stop what you're doing. You have to listen to this and it's quick. Like, it's not like you sit there for a minute in Babylon, you're not like, this will do this for you. This will do this. You just get to the point. You're like, this is the recipe and it's protein packed. Like you say all the things like quickly in succession. And I just love that. So just some snaps for you. So you are also a chef now, speaking of all these recipes that you're posting, how do you come up with these ideas? That's what I'm curious about. So It's so crazy. I get asked this all the time and I don't know if other chefs would say this too, but it just makes sense in our head. Like everybody's like, how do you know that flavor will go with it? And I'm like, I don't know. It just sounds like it would, you know? So I don't know how to explain it, but I'll dream. Like I dreamt about those fried pickles. I woke up, I was like, oh my God, I have to make these. Or like I'll get inspiration from like eating out or something like that. Or if somebody's like, I really want Thai. And then I'm like, oh, my wheels are turning. Like, what could I oh, make? Oh, okay. That makes sense. But my goal with this is when I wasn't ever planning on putting out this much recipe content, but when I started realizing that most of the blog posts are great, they're great, healthy alternatives. They have good ingredients, but macronutriently, they're not balanced. So they would be pushing out these muffins that were extremely high carbohydrate. And you see it like, look at this vegan toast, peanut butter, banana toast. And I'm like, that's going to spike somebody's glucose so much. And yes, it is healthy ingredients, bread, which is still healthy, but not the healthiest, but it's not productive to what our system needs to do well. And so I really try to be thoughtful first on how does it affect the body cellularly and then second flavor. And so 
I was like, well, I got to put this out there because this is just as important as what I have to say is how we eat. And so I wanted as many recipes out to the public as possible so that there's a balance at least. So a lot of my stuff does have a lot of protein in it. I would love to see you do a full-on cookbook. I would love. I mean, I'm sure it is. You already have the cover for it, I feel like. (laughs) In my like and my my dress, such a Yes. I love that for you. So with regards to, I saw you make last night, I saw you make, you were craving pasta with like garlic and butter and stuff. You made it with kelp noodles. So tell me, I've never had them. So can you tell me about that alternative and, and why for you, you chose kelp noodles because I know, but the other people don't know. So there's so many good alternative pastas, but kelp noodles are one, zero carbs. There's no carbs, but they're very micronutrient dense, meaning there's a lot of minerals in it because it's a seaweed. I like it also because it truly is, in my opinion, and you know, I'm Italian, so I really am particular about my pasta. It really gives me the closest thing to pasta. And I think it's because I grew up in Hawaii and I ate a lot of Asian noodles. So it reminds me kind of Asian noodles and pasta at the same time. So maybe that's where it happens, but it gets soft like a noodle and the creaminess can be created because it holds, it absorbs kind of some of that too. Whereas like a palmini noodle or a pasta won't, this kelp noodle would. And so all I did was some ghee because I don't do butter. I don't do So I do clarified butter, some garlic and hemp seeds actually tricks my mind at least. It makes it feel like cheese. And so I put a little bit of hemp seed, which is protein and fat rich, and then some fat with the butter and garlic, just garlic and the noodles. And it was delicious. I ate the freaking bag. Hemp seed. Okay. I always heard like nutritional yeast was good for a cheese substitute. So my problem with this is 90% of the women I treat have dysbiosis, which you kind of are familiar with, but dysbiosis is basically a overgrowth of bad bacteria to good bacteria. The problem is, is most women have dysbiosis with yeast bacteria. And so when we do something like that, I generally hear, especially any of my clients that have like BV and like struggle with that kind of stuff, they get more kind of uh, see. stuff down there. Yeah. So I generally avoid personally someone who used to suffer from UTIs and yeast infections all the time. I just avoid it. But if you don't have that, then yeah, that's a a super good alternative. It's so ghee is so confusing to me because it technically is from, Mm -hmm. but it's not dairy. (laughs) They pull all the proteins. That's what's so cool about food and why I love food and nutrition so much is it's really just molecules. And how those molecules interact with each other. And so it's science, right? Right at my wheelhouse. But all we're doing is pulling out those proteins and then it becomes dairy free. Yeah. So let's talk about, you know, you were talking about your stomach issues before and you did have allergies, but let's talk about stress because obviously that plays a huge role. And as you know, like for the entire month of May, I thought I had like uh, some sort of virus, some sort of infection, some actually maybe even some sort of, you know, like parasite. And it ended up, I mean, ultimately I don't have those anymore, like, but it ended up being pure stress and it really, really affected my gut health. 
So what about you? Do you find that, you know, when you are going through a stressful period that you sometimes get those same symptoms, even when you're eating like you are, or is it pretty much resolved because you're eating the way you're eating? That's such a good question. And so, so important to bring up. So I always tell people you can eat as clean as I eat. And if your stress is not handled, you will be sick. I can't fix that. There's a big reason. So our digestive tract lives in parasympathetic, which is our relaxed state. In sympathetic, fight or flight is where our oxidative stress lives. And so if we live in a long period of stress, our body, only way, because it can't come and talk to you, our only way to show there's an issue is through putting symptoms in you, diarrhea, constipation, bloating, indigestion, all these things. And then what happens is, and we see this, is then those systems, those organs maybe start to lose their function. And then we see some disease occur, right? And so when I talk to people, nutrition is what I do, but it's really, this is the order in which I think that to live the best life, you have to have these priorities in this numerical order. Stress, sleep, then nutrition. Without the two, the nutrition doesn't matter, in my opinion. And I know I, pro- I would probably piss off a lot of nutritionists. That. And yes, don't get me wrong, if you ate as clean as me, you would be doing yourself help. You're not adding stress to the body. So I could see their argument there, but truly without stress being alleviated and without sleep being there, your sleep hygiene, there's just no way that you're going to optimize your health and you will probably end up leading to disease, unfortunately, due to the way in which we eat nowadays. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes stress, you know, sometimes we can't control our stress. Some of us have anxiety disorder. We have depression you know, we have things in our lives that we can't control. We have breakups, we have deaths in the family or our our dog passes away or is in sick health, you know, just you and I both know. And, you know, to touch on that, you know, you and I both have been going through it with, with, with regards to our relationships. I know, you know, with your marriage, you know, there's been a little bit of rockiness. And then of course my relationship ended in March, as you know, but we're happy about that one. We're happy. We're happy. (laughs) But I know that you've had, you know, to be real, you know, with our audience, you've had some days where you and I've been texting and you're like, Steph, I am not put together. I feel horrible. You know, even the way that you live, even the fact that you work out almost every day, that you are active, that you have a beautiful daughter that you interact with and you have this wonderful career, all of those things. And you still have those days, right? Absolutely. And it does affect your body. As you know, I separated from my husband back in February which was a really hard decision to come to. Like I had to come to the realization that I failed. You could look at it that way, right? Like that's the way in which I think we look at it. I don't think of it that way, but it was a hard pill to swallow. When I got married, I was like, this is forever. What I realized was, is that for the stress to not occur and to feel my best, I had to be unapologetically me. I had to put me first and really step into my power and say, this is no longer serving me. And as soon as I did, everything changed. Like, and I was already feeling pretty good, but 
I felt lighter. I used to walk, like people used to say a year, even a year ago, people used to be like, you would walk in a room and I didn't know if a shit storm was coming through or like what was happening. You were just so fast paced, so all over the place, just a mess. I held it together really well, right? And on camera or behind, you know, behind the scenes, you wouldn't have known what was going on, but there was some stuff going on. But now like I wake up and I'm at peace. And it's a different feeling. So I think it's really important for your listeners, for people to realize the first person that matters is you. And I say this before Willow, like my happiness matters before Willow. Now her health and safety obviously matter first, but if I'm not happy, I'm not a good mom. And I wasn't, I mean, I was a good mom, but I wasn't as good of a mom as I am now. Now, I, you know, before I would get frustrated and, you know, yell or get irritated really easily. And it was because I lived in this sympathetic state. I was so unhappy in a situation and I didn't know how to communicate that. You were just reacting. Right. I was living very reactive and it led me to a really dark place. And I'm thankful that I was mentally strong enough to, you know, not have those negative thoughts turn into actions. But now I see the other side of it and I'm like, wow, this is truly what just feeling good feels like. And now people are like, you're so different. You're so calm. You like, don't react. Like I could call you a bitch right now. And you'd probably be like, that's okay. I could understand why you feel that yeah. way <laughs> or whatever. Like I just Thank don't you for sharing your feelings with me. <laughs> yeah, I just don't take things serious. Like I take them serious, but I'm just so parasympathetic now that it's very hard to get me up here anymore. You know, I just don't feel it anymore. And I think that comes with being at a place of just peace. So when you're co-parenting and when you're with your husband, your ex, your separate, what do you call it? I don't know what we call it. When you're with your husband now, are there times where you feel triggered? We, I mean, I think any person that has gone through a divorce knows that process, especially with kids. We always, in the beginning, when we were doing this transition, we always said Willow comes first. And in the beginning, there were a lot of triggers. I triggered him. He triggered me. We couldn't like figure out the balance. We have recently come to a really good place where we just come from a place of kindness and love. And he is not a bad person. He is an amazing dad. You've always said that. You've always yeah, said that. I still, I still love him. We're just not right for each other. You know, maybe down the road. I don't know. You know, that story is not told yet, but it's now coming from a place of just calm and ease. And I think with co-parenting, like my strategy at first was, oh, we're going to be the best of friends. Well, no, that really doesn't work. And there are people that do it and I applaud them. That's cute for them. (laughs) For us, what works best is we have structure, we have a schedule and we're kind to each other. When Willow's here, I talk wonderful things about her dad. I'm sure he does the same when she's with him. And that's really where we draw the line. And there's not this engagement of like trying to be besties or anything like that. And I think it helps both of our healing processes because we both, it wasn't anything bad in the marriage. It's just, we both had issues within ourselves that we had to deal with. And do. And for me, a big part of it was I've never been able to walk by myself and really truly be again, unapologetically me. And so I'm living that right now. And I'm discovering things about myself that I love, that I don't like, that I want to change, that I want to work on. I lived in fear for so long that now I'm taking things like I played soccer last night. I was so, I saw that. 
so scared to go because I'm, believe it or not, quite shy when I don't know people. I meet a group of people that I had no idea. I didn't know where I was going. Like I'm a little bit type A personality. So I like to know everything. And I had the best time of my life. I felt so freaking alive and joyful, like getting to discover and determine who I want to be and if I want people in my life and what that looks like and setting boundaries, kind of similar to what you're going through too. And so I think that's the biggest thing I want women and men to know is like, it's okay to set boundaries and it's okay to quote unquote, have these failures. I don't think they're failures. I think they're learning experiences. And that's just a part of life, but don't live in misery because it's consistency and it's easy, like the hard, either way, stay or go or do whatever it is in your life, but challenge yourself because the peace on the other side is quite fantastic. And this is a theme that has come up so many times with, you know, some of my lady friends that I've been speaking with, especially on the podcast is when you're comfortable, you're not growing. And now that you and I have put ourselves in the most uncomfortable positions of all time, we're doing the most growth, which is so interesting to me. I just think it's like when I'm uncomfortable, I'm like, okay, this is fine. On the other side, it's going to be better. <laughs> it really is, and it's like you also like realize, I think there's this one TikTok that's like, once you realize people are just as fucked up as you are, like you start looking at people differently. And I think it's very true. Like once I took away like facade or fakeness of what I wanted people to think of me. And I just was like, here I am. I'm not for everybody. If you like me, let's go. If you don't, that's cool too. But everything changed and everything happened faster. And, you know, I've gotten more clients. I'm building my business. I'm doing more content. I'm doing all these things because I'm in such positive, high vibrational state. Yeah, absolutely. And so how important is it besides obviously, you know, your clean eating and the way that you take care of yourself internally, how important has it been since your separation to continue with your routine with regards to fitness, wellness, mental health, you know, your sauna time, things like that? It was pivotal. It's life or death for me. I was suicidal. When we separated, my dad died right the week I moved into my new place. My dad died. X and I were at our worst. It was a dark. I've never felt that way. I truly understand why people take their lives now. And if I didn't have the good eating and I didn't have the outlet of going to the gym and lifting and sauning and meditating, I don't know if I would be here. I truly don't. I was in a very, very dark place. You make me cry. I know. I'm good now. I know. I know you're good. I just don't know what I would do without you. So you're very important to me. (laughs) Okay. Fine. We're good. We're good. (sighs) Okay. So I'm not supposed to cry. This is really good. So one more question for you. I asked this to all of my podcast guests. If you were to see 20 year old Nicola walking down Maryland Parkway, (laughs) walking down the street, right on campus, whatever. If you were to see her, you went up to her, you gave her a big hug. And as you left her embrace, what is the one thing that you would say to 20 year old Nicola? Don't forget you. Don't forget who you are. You know, that's perfect. I love that. Don't lose you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't lose you. I don't even think I had me at 20. I don't even think I knew. Well, because we were conditioned to be something we weren't. Like everybody in college, you would maybe agree to this thought, were scared of me. They were like, oh, Nicola speaks her mind. She was 
but truly like me as a person, I'm actually probably the biggest pushover, kindest, sweetest person. But I hid that from the world because I was so scared that I would get hurt that way. So I built this big, bad armor that I was like a lot tougher than I was. And now I'm living a life of like my true self and I'm kind and, but I'm strong. And so you can't hurt me, but I am going to be kind. So that would be bad. Don't lose yourself. I think a lot of the AGDs were like that. They were really strong women. I mean, especially in our age group, like I love all those girls. And now, you know, it's cool because now, you know, you and I have been talking for a while, but like now I'm getting a lot of those college girls that we rushed with and stuff like they're coming back and they're talking to me and they're giving me, you know, their, I guess their accolades and their, you know, their feedback on my material. And I'm like, something's working because these girls haven't talked to me in a long time. Yeah. No, you're freaking killing it. You places. Your content is so needed right now for women. I'm your biggest fan for sure. Ah, thank you. I'm your biggest fan too. Okay. Well, Nicola, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on the luxury dropout. We love having you. We're going to have to do an update maybe in another year or six months even and see where your journey has taken you. I love it. Well, dropouts, that's a wrap for our episode today with Nicola Burbank. I hope you really enjoyed it and took away so much from Nicola. She is a absolute gem of a human being. You need to follow her on your healthy, happy journey on Instagram. Her website also has launched. She has some amazing recipes that you can go through that are quick and easy, protein packed, low carb, nutrient dense. She also takes on clients remotely. So you can reach out to her if you'd like to work with her directly as well. It's one of the great things about Zoom, right? (laughs) Nicola revealed a lot about her personal life. And I know that a lot of us can relate to many of the things that she is going through. I know I can. If you are watching on YouTube, please like, comment, subscribe to the channel to get your notifications. Also, if you are listening on any streaming device, please go ahead and give us five stars. We love that you are listening and I cannot wait to hear your feedback. Please let me know. You know where to find me at the luxury dropout on Instagram. Looking forward to the next time. But for now, I'll say I love you guys and I'll see you soon. That's a wrap for this episode of the luxury dropout. Make sure to visit stephaniejoplin.com to find all of Steph's episodes, including full podcast descriptions and photos of her guests. Until next time, besties.